Before we get to this episode, just to say thanks to everyone who's bought my new book, Champion Thinking, How to Find Success Without Losing Yourself. Published by Bloomsbury, the response has been terrific. It's an Amazon bestseller. It's been top 20 in the airport charts consistently, and the reviews have been terrific right across the board. And if you like this episode that you're about to hear on Flow, you'll be sure to enjoy Champion Thinking. Head to my website, simonmundy.com or Amazon, Waterstone, Smiths, places like that to get your copy. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Don't Tell Me The Score, the podcast that uses sport to explore life's bigger questions. My name is Simon Mundy, and each week I sit down with an expert from the biggest sporting names in the world to Buddhist monks, neuroscientists, psychologists, and philosophers. We discuss a theme that tells us something insightful and important about life and how best to live it, from the importance of self-acceptance to facing addiction and developing resilience, right through to getting your circadian rhythms in sync and how to sleep better. Sport is a metaphor for life, and in this podcast, I aim to prove that right. I always like hearing from you, so the best way to get in touch is via my website, simonmundy.com, or I'm at Simon Mundy on social media. In this episode, I'm talking to sleep expert Guy Meadows about insomnia. Hi, Simon. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me on the podcast. An absolute pleasure. Right, in the interest of full disclosure, I have to uh, come clean. We've met before, haven't we? We have, yes. In my 20s, I went through a period of bad sleep and I got very lucky insofar as I can't even remember how I found you, but I found you. I sat down with you in a room and we had one session where you explained your method and it it was absolutely revelatory to me. It sorted my insomnia and also had far the ripple effect out into other areas of my life. Essentially, you introduced me to mindfulness and at that point, I mean, I remember we chatted a few years after, didn't we? And we mm. spoke about how it just exploded since mm. then. So it's lovely to see you again. Likewise, yeah. We're going to get into it. But but first things first, you're very young looking, aren't you? <laughs> uh, I guess I am, yes. <laughs> is that the sleep? Absolutely, it yes. Is. Lots of good quality sleep. Lots of uh, Lots of good sport as well. Yeah, so you're a huge sports fan, aren't you? And an endurance athlete of sorts. So tell me a bit about your sporting passions and your sporting uh, pursuits. Yeah, I love moving. I For, for a long time, so almost 20 years, I, I climbed pretty seriously, sort of around the world. Wow. Um, and, and so hanging off bits of rock, climbing up new bits of rock, you know, falling into water, for, you know, it, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was my, it consumed my whole life for a long time. Um, aside to that, there was always uh, sort of an endurance element. I would, I was always running, you know, anyone offered me to go into the mountains, I would definitely, you know, be there straight away. So there was always it, it, a thing about the outdoors, 
um, and you know being in fresh air, being in the hills, being by the sea, and that sort of morphed into a bit of surfing, uh, and more recently mountain biking. But yeah, everything from ultra endurance running, um, long distance swimming, kayaking, and, and most recently uh, supping, uh, stand up paddleboarding as well. Oh, wow. So, and you swam the channel. As a, I've swum the channel as a quad, yeah, as a as a four. How does that work? Uh, so you you do an hour on, uh, rest for three hours, do an hour off, which kind of makes it sound easy. I say that's cheating. <laughs> it's, uh, I would just like I would out of all of the ridiculous things I've done, uh, starting at Dover at one a.m. in the dark with a one and a half oh. meter swell uh, was not easy, um, and it definitely wasn't cheating, especially because for the first three hours, uh, actually I was I, yeah for the first two hours I just spent the whole time uh, being sick over the side and then. I was expected to swim for an hour in the dark, and so actually, it was—it was definitely—it um, was one of the most challenging things I've done. But and you're an ultra—you're into your ultra marathons and ultra running, aren't you as well? Yeah, I've—I've I've certainly I've done uh, a lot of that. It was, you know, I—I—I I, I, I think I fell into that as I had uh, children right. because it was the easiest thing that you could do when uh, you, you've suddenly you've got kids. What can you do in the quickest possible way? You could slip on a pair of trainers, run out the door. What sort of distance are we talking here? We were talking um, anything, you know, sort of double marathon kind of distance, mostly in the mountains. You know, really? I, I spent okay. a lot of time in North Wales, sort of, sort of, you know, in the fell running on the South uh, Downs. Okay. That, you know, just for me, it's being out there, um, you know, either with, you know, sort of friends or just, you know, by myself, getting that sort of mental headspace yeah. that I need. I love the space which you get to after you've been moving for quite a few hours. Yeah. You know, sort of you start, you reach a really special psychological space yeah. where you, you start to, you, you drop a lot of the, uh, you know, a, a lot of the, the anxieties, a lot of the noise that shows up in everyday life yeah. because that tiredness begins to set in and, and you, you, you find out, you know, it's, it sounds a bit sort of uh, spiritual, but you, you get closer to a sort of a, a more pure you for a, a few moments, yeah, yeah. which you is was, lovely. You were saying that, you know, you find out a lot about yourself. So, yes. What did you learn when you get in touch with this more pure you? You learn, you know, that the simple things of, you know, honesty, passion, how far you can push yourself, this incredible sense of peace. You know, what, what's often... That lies at our core? Absolutely. It's a special place. Sport is spiritual practice. I yes. like it. However, nice as all that sounds, when you were doing your endurance running, there was a period, wasn't there, where you sacrificed sleep and got yourself in a bit of a pickle. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that one up. <laughs> I think this is a really important thing to discuss because it's, it's you know, there's, there's always that, you know, do as I say, not as I do kind of scenario uh, where you, you suddenly think that you're kind of beyond your own advice. And I definitely fell into that trap where I was getting uh, quite serious about my ultra running. I was, you know, I'd wake up at 4 a.m., um, you know, wait, as in set my alarm to pull me out of sleep at 4am so I so I could do a marathon before work um, and 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 that because I'd become I was allowing the obsession of ultra running and if any you know if there are any sort of runners out here they'll know it becomes so addictive and you just you just want to do more and you just you, and it feels so good and you know suddenly you're running farther and you know and it's easier and so yeah I, I let it get carried away and suddenly I was I was depriving myself of sleep and consequently I was hit by the sort of the biggest immunosuppression I'd ever had. And and I was out for sort of three or four months. I think it was actually, it was more like four months where I, I was just, you know, absolutely laid down. My immune system was was depleted. I was had a, a cold, which I just couldn't shift. Felt, you know, completely low ebb and, and rubbish. And, and it was a, a bit of a wake up call. So and now your mantra is like sleep is the ultimate performance enhancer. Ultimate performance enhancer and most essential training partner. Really, you know, I, I think if you are if you're serious about your sports, then you need to make sure that sleep is in your training program. Getting enough sleep, it, it's just you know, it, it makes complete sense for everything that sleep does for us. Yeah. But from a training perspective, it's even more important. And obviously, that applies to life generally. If you want to be at your best in life, in everyday life, at work, in your relationships, anywhere, nailing the sleep is key. 
this is where we come into the broader, wider importance of sleep. So sleep is definitely the most powerful, natural health providing uh, behavior that you can perform. You know, if you want to, like you said, perform well mentally, well, then you need great sleep because it enables us to be focused and attentive, to recall memory, to be creative, motivated, all of that stuff. If you want to, you know, have a, um, a, a good weight, for example, you know, sleep plays a really important role in maintaining um, our weight by managing our appetite hormones. You know, if you're uh, if, if you're trying to, you know, train for that triathlon, then, you know, scrimping on sleep is just not going to help the sort of the the recovery that you need to grow muscle to improve your your training performance so yeah every aspect of your short and long-term health and performance is underpinned by sleep and there will be people listening at this point thinking god i don't sleep well and bricking it and we're going to sort of that's kind of a key element of what we're going to talk about and now your company your organization is called the sleep school like i said i was very fortunate to to get in before you had kind of you know gone mainstream as it were you've got an app and all sorts now You've worked with some sports people, haven't you, to help them to sleep better, to get more out of their performance. So just give me a little bit of an overview of of the type of people you work with in a sports sense and how you help them. I think an important thing to recognise is is so with our sleep clinic, we have all walks of life show up from, uh, you know, from mums to sports professionals to you know, lawyers to traders to teachers to, to doctors, you know, psychologists, psychiatrists. And, and one of the things I like about uh, sort of insomnia in a way is, is that it's quite a sort of an equal opportunities disorder. <laughs> um, it, it, it's, you know, it's very, you know, sort of it welcomes everyone with open yeah. arms. And, and for the sports professionals, I think that, you know, the one obvious thing that tied all of them together was often when we look at the trigger, it was typically they had a sports event, you know, coming up so that, you know, a big event, which everyone can relate to in the sense that they've got something big coming up the next day and they just can't switch off their mind. And so for these guys, this was the trigger whereby, you know, they couldn't switch off their mind, they couldn't sleep. And so they went into the event, you know, sort of uh, tired, fatigued, etc. But that sowed the seed of doubt in their mind because suddenly, you know, what happened, they knew they had another event coming up and their brain rather annoyingly, as it does, you know, within someone sort of went, oh, another event coming up soon. Maybe we won't sleep. And, you know, and for those particular individuals, because for many of us, we can just pass it off and we go, yeah, that's fine. You know, but for some individuals, we get we we get caught in it and we buy into that seed and we allow it to we give it the room to grow in our head. And and suddenly we lo and behold, we're having another night um, and then another night. And what we do is we build up a library of sleepless experience, which suddenly means that your brain does something where it it, it relates those events to sleepless nights. And so it goes, it, it suddenly it's, you know, it's kind of like a given. It's, it's so as people are moving towards a uh, sporting performance, instantly they feel hyper aroused. So they're not winding down. Their brain becomes overactive. Their heart begins to race. They're feeling anxious, you know, almost as if it's like they're about to start the race, the, you know, the rugby match, the tennis match, the, you know, they're on the love line of the marathon, whatever it is that they're performing in. And yet, actually, all they've done is just put their head on the pillow. Yeah. And so what we did with those guys is much like to, you know, in the same way we work with everyone, is we teach them to transform the way they relate to their insomnia. So yeah. not battling to get rid of those thoughts and feelings. Instead, as we as I taught you, to to welcome to teach you to welcome it, to meet and greet it at the door and say, oh, hi, uh, you know, sort of no sleep thoughts. Good to see you. Come on in. Oh, I see <laughs> yeah. you brought your friends. Anxiety yeah. and, you know, sort of failure. Oh, got the failure thoughts. Welcome. Come on in, guys. Absolutely. Excellent. And suddenly we're learning to play with them. And by playing with them, you diffuse their power. And and crucially, we we increase people's willingness to to be awake. Because one of the biggest things that causes people to uh, to to remain awake at night is their is their struggle to get to sleep. Mm. Um, but if you allow people to be awake, if you teach people to give themselves permission that it's okay to be awake, well, then you create the mental and physical landscape from which sleep can emerge. What you resist persists is kind of a key theme, isn't it? And you talk about sport performance and having that big event. And we can all relate to that for perhaps we've got a presentation or a meeting. And that can be the time when you think, oh, I'm not going to sleep. I'm going to be not on good form. And this, I think, ties in a little bit with there is such focus on 
sleep and talk around sleep at the moment and people come on and talk about the importance of sleep and this can feed into that anxiety because then if someone does struggle with sleep it's almost reinforcing the message oh my gosh not only am I gonna struggle tomorrow I may be (laughs) cutting my life short so I think a lot of the messages around sleep potentially uh, can be fueling it to some degree Absolutely. I think in this, I'm, I'm often, you know, sort of asked this question around, you know, the, 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 is this current obsession with sleep, you know, actually fueling our levels of sleeplessness? And the reality is, is yes, it can do. And certainly for a lot of my chronic insomnia clients, you know, all it does when they see yet another piece of research come out with saying that if you're not sleeping, then you're going to you know, get Alzheimer's or something like that. Yes, it absolutely spikes, you know, your uh, your anxiety and your sleeplessness levels. But we are at a, a place right now where um, we we're experiencing a sleepless epidemic. Um, and so for the vast majority of us, um, a lot of the, the, the sleepless epidemic is, is actually um, purely out of choice. We are choosing um, to sleep deprive ourselves because we are choosing to stay up later on our digital devices. We're watching our box sets, um, you know, our, our daytime behaviours, you know, our caffeine, alcohol levels, our diet levels, our exercise levels, all of these things. And our, our, our working you know, levels, we're working longer, we're more stressed. All of these things are meaning that our sleep duration and our sleep quality are are much reduced these days compared to how they were in the past. So there is a real need to be talking about sleep, to Mm. put it up there um, because of the fact that I said, you know, if if you want to improve your overall health, then just make sure that you're, you know, getting a good night's sleep. Um, So so it, it, it is really important, but it's also important to explain to people how not to worry about it as well. You're kind of nodding there to like sleep hygiene. I don't think you can ever read a sleep article that doesn't talk about turning your screens off, <laughs> um, you know, considering you know, a hot milky drink mm. and having your unwind and all these kind of stuff. And mm. that's all well and good, but it doesn't help you if you're in bed in the middle of the night and you're, you've been a, trying to get to sleep, keyword trying, mm. trying to get to sleep for, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour, you're looking at the clock sleep hygiene does sort of nothing for you there does it and just to backtrack quickly when we talk about the brain the analogy that i always remember you gave me Mm. was around the saber-toothed tiger and how (laughs) you can relate that to sleep you've just picked up on a metaphor that i told you 10 years ago (laughs) sticks with me guy it was excellent it doesn't stick with me though (laughs) Uh, do you want me to tell you yeah go for it okay so back in the day when we were prehistoric if we saw a, a saber-toothed tiger, we didn't necessarily know that it was bad, but let's say it tried to attack us, okay? Mm. The brain, the amygdala, the danger-seeking part of our brain quickly picks up on the fact that the saber-toothed tiger is bad. Mm. Therefore, next time we see a saber-toothed tiger, it, it go, we get the anxiety, the, the heart starts going, the mind starts yeah. racing, the, our extremities like kick into action when we either fight or, what's it, fight or flight, right? Fight or flight, okay. yeah. And the same thing can be applied to sleep, which is that... We have that one bad night of sleep and then perhaps we have two or three. We've built up the body of evidence around sleep, as you mentioned. And then suddenly the sleep has become like the um, saber-toothed tiger. We get in bed. And all of a sudden, we don't understand why, but the heart's going, the mind's racing. Is it ringing any bells now? <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. No, I mean, that, that, and that's what we call conditioned bedtime or nighttime arousal. And for, uh, I think a really important distinction to 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 make i'll come back to that point there it is that i i have two hats you could say i i have the the hat where i'm talking to the general population and um so we go we do lots of uh, corporate events for example and so we know if you've got a room of 100 people you know between 10 and sort of 25 of those individuals uh those will be suffering from chronic insomnia but the vast majority you know won't be and actually for those individuals actually what they need to do is just basic sleep hygiene guidelines mm-hmm. they need to keep a, a fairly regular you know bedtime routine they need to you know like the caffeine alcohol and all of that kind of stuff which we hear <laughs> But um, the other hat I have is the clinical hat. And, and I'm really pleased that you sort of, you know, you, you understood this distinction because when you come to our clinical side, you know, we absolutely don't tell you to, you know, sort of have warm milk or, uh, you know, and, and for me- in many cl- cases, we tell people to drink caffeine again because they've, you know, they, what often happens is they're lying in bed and they're going, well, I haven't had any caffeine today. You know, I haven't touched alcohol. I ran a marathon. Uh, I've done some deep breathing, you know, sort of, but I'm still not asleep. What's wrong with me and um and so it's that it forms that that sort of it, it fuels that anxiety 
Mm-hmm. And so for... Uh, the, the, what you were talking about about with the saber-toothed tiger, that is this conditioned response where now, as a result of that, that sleepless library of repeated nights of poor sleep, an individual could be sitting on their sofa, they could be watching telly, um, you know, maybe even feeling tired, maybe even feeling a bit sleepy. But then the moment they get up to put their, you know, to move towards the bedroom, put their head on the pillow, their mind just races, their heart, you know, starts sort of uh, pounding, then the knot in the stomach comes, or maybe they fall asleep fine, but then they wake up in the middle of the night, and it's like there's a saber toothed tiger in the room. And, and it's about how you respond to that. Um, you know, and, and if you go to war against it, well, then, you know, sort of it just wakes you up even more. And we often say, you know, many of our clients, it's, you know, that going to bed is like going into battle and it, and it shouldn't be. Um, you need to to meet and greet, move towards welcome uh, your fight or flight type response in order to disarm it. Yeah. So you're ultimately training your brain that, oh, it it's safe to sleep because what's happened is it's it's become hardwired to realize oh the bedroom is not safe anymore mm-hmm. it's it's not safe to sleep right now i need to be on red alert so it, training our brain to sleep again so it's not an immediate thing is it you, we have to grab because we quickly learn that there is a threat and our brain quickly yeah, yeah. i mean it's like a, a fear seeking threat seeking device in many mm. ways and then we have to sort of gradually gradually teach it that that, that is not the case and it, so the, the basis of your work is acceptance and commitment therapy correct that's exactly it so, so do you we, want to ex- let's get into the nuts and bolts of it then yeah so so we've um i, I use traditional cognitive behavior therapy for insomnia for a number of years and and it is effective but it wasn't as effective as i wanted it to be or my clients wanted it to be and i began to you know bring in more acceptance based principles and uh, one of those being mindfulness and you know the, the, this is we're talking about a time where when, you know, mindfulness, as you sort of mentioned at the beginning, mindfulness was not widely known, you know, mm. back then. There were only a few spots in London which you could do, could do it. And, and most of it was connected to sort of, you know, a Buddhist center or something yeah, like yeah. that. Um, you know, but so acceptance and commitment therapy is a newer form of cognitive behavior therapy. Um, it's what we call a third wave psychological therapy. And it has six processes um, which, which um, enable to achieve something called psychological flexibility, which is an individual's willingness to experience a certain level of discomfort in their life when doing so helps them to move forward with their life. So the big difference between, say, CBT and um, ACT, as it's called, is CBT is very control based. It's symptom reduction. So it's what can I do to get rid of these unwanted thoughts, get rid of these unwanted feelings? Now, you know, I can ask the yourself or the listeners you know sort of uh, have you ever tried to lie there in in the middle of the night and try to get rid of your thoughts yes yeah <laughs> how do you get on not very well not very well that's why i came to see you <laughs> exactly yeah because what happens is lo and behold they come back in stronger and they bring their friends in with them as well and you're like ah and the same goes if you try to deep breathe your anxiety away uh, it's it's cbt has this this notion that you know i can't sleep unless i am you know sort of free of thoughts or my thoughts are more positive or i'm free of uh, anxiety. Whereas Axe said, well, actually, what if it's not the thoughts and the feelings that are the problem? What if it's the way we relate to them? What if it's just our endless struggle to get rid of them? So what if we can then teach people how to change the way they relate to them? And so for those interested, Act is about 35 years old now. It comes from the States. Um, it's, it's a proven form, form of therapy. It, it's got peer-reviewed research and everything from depression to anxiety to substance abuse to trauma um, and to, to stress as well. And we've pioneered its use within chronic insomnia. And the basis being that when you can transform someone's relationship with their insomnia, I increase their willingness to, to be awake wake and uh, to be open to experiencing the array of unwanted symptoms you know the racing mind the the feelings of panic the the anxiety if you can increase people's acceptance and willingness to experience those and we have lots of tools like mindfulness is one of the processes but also cognitive diffusion where we do that naming and playing uh, with thoughts that it transforms uh the wakefulness and the thoughts and the fear into something that's not so fearful, which ultimately creates this space from which sleep can emerge. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. So let's talk a little bit then about how it how it works. Now, the one that I always still use to this day is if I'm having uh, an anxious thought in bed, I will use that the, the prefix. Mm-hmm. So, OK, let's say for me it was I'm not going to sleep tonight. It became I'm having the thought that I'm not going to sleep tonight. I'm having the thought that I'm going to be on dreadful form tomorrow and then would come back into the yeah. present through my senses. Yeah. Can you elaborate a bit on that? Absolutely. And the good news is I can update that a little bit oh, as well. Really? Yeah. So actually, <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because um, some of my clients came to me and they said, you know, I find it uh, stronger if I say my mind is telling me the thought that oh, I like if this. I don't sleep, I won't be able to cope. Because with I'm having the thought that it's still it's still powerful, but there's that people get really hooked by the I part because the I part suggests that it's still part of me. So for those you know listening who want to understand this, typically what happens when we have a thought, we'll have a thought like, if I don't sleep, I won't be able to perform. Or if I don't sleep, I won't be able to cope. They're kind of like the, you know, in the top three, those two. And, and if you buy into those, you will get, uh, you know, that leads to you going round and round in circles. You know, it elevates anxiety levels and you find yourself awake. So what, and in traditional therapy, what you might try to do is to um, disprove that. So you might sort of go, hey, well, you know, last week you didn't sleep and you did manage to perform. So everything's going to be OK. But unfortunately, our brain has a rather annoying habit of going, yeah, but tomorrow's going to be different and you're going to be really rubbish, aren't you? And to which you go, no, no, last week I did yeah. manage to cope. And, and so you end up in a tug of war. You know, this sort of mental tug of war and, you know, no one falls asleep playing a game of tug of war, basically. So ACT is, um, ACT seeks to change the context of the thoughts by by, by altering the way in which you're looking at it. So it moves you into a, into a more of a, a pers- um, gives you a more of a sort of perspective, more perspective on the thought itself. So by you saying, my mind is telling me the thought that, it means that you are no longer in the thought. You are looking at the thought. It's separate from you. So, and the crucial thing is we're not belittling the thought because, you know, for some, uh, if we take trauma, for example, you know, some of these thoughts can be incredibly traumatic. You know, these feelings can be traumatic. And and, and that way we are absolutely not belittling it. it. We are owning it, but we're just not getting caught up in it. We're accepting the fact that right now we happen to have a series of mental events passing through our minds. Yeah. Now, for some individuals, they can have, it's not just one. So it's, it's quite, you know, it's, it's, it's easier if you've just got the one and you're going, okay, my mind is telling me the thought that if I don't sleep, I won't be able to cope. But for some individuals, you know, there might be a thousand thoughts all rushing in. And that's where you can give your entire sort of mind a name as well. And, and what's lovely about this is, is you know, it, it gives room for the element of play. And ACT really encourages playfulness within its approach because that's a really powerful way to overcome fear. So some of my clients have given that kind of worrisome, critical part of their brain names such as uh, uh, one of my favourites is Head of Drama. 
Um, or another one is Death Star. You know, it's kind of, you know, you, because what they're doing then, they're going, oh, OK, thanks, head of drama. Excellent. You know, good to see you. Thought you'd turn up. And you can use this in any setting, you know, whether it's like, oh, 2 a.m., head of drama's here, shouting, ranting away. Yeah, great. Good to see you. And I see you brought your friends. But I use it. You know, if I've got to give a big presentation or, you know, have to do a bit of TV work, my demons come up, you know, yeah. and I, mine, my, mine is called the circus, for example. And I go, oh, the circus is here because it's kind of like everything just piles in together. Absolutely. And then I just I just welcome it all on board so that by accepting it and allowing it to be there, I can then get on with the thing of importance which in the middle of the night is going actually the most important thing is just to lie here awake resting you get a lot of benefit from just resting at night mm. um it's not as good as sleep but it's a great second place and then you know you you might choose to notice your breath a little bit not to make you more relaxed not to get you to sleep but just to sort of be there in the moment and to be able to go okay Thanks, head of drama. I know, but you know what? We're going to lie here together, mm. and we're going to we're going to uh, ultimately do that thing of value, which is just to rest right now. Because even with rest, and this is one of the the things I found right at the beginning, is that people right at the beginning of of the the therapy said, "Hey, guy, I'm I'm not sleeping any better in the first week of doing this." But they said, "I've got more energy mm. just simply because I'm not spending all night struggling." Mm. And I was like, "Well, that's really interesting." And that that's the first phase that. Builds Builds the platform from uh, the brain going, oh, they're doing that thing again. Look, we, we, we thought that nighttime was about being awake and struggling and having anxiety, but they seem to be OK with it. This is interesting. Maybe we're allowed to sleep once again. A nice metaphor, which I've always liked, is it's the difference between if you imagine you're in the ocean and it's a really stormy, you know, sort of wavy ocean, you know, the first, you know, being caught in it is being on the surface and the waves are crashing around. But, you know, acceptance and commitment therapy helps you to kind of imagine you, you're sat on the bottom just looking up. The bottom is always calm, but you, you can look up and observe the storm. Hmm. And that's the difference. It's about being able to have that perspective and to be able to notice the storm occurring and be OK with it being there. And that's why, to come back to your question, it does take time. You know, sort of we are, you know, a lot of people uh, come to us having tried all of the quick fixes. You know, they've got a, a bedside table full. It's like a cemetery to quick fixes, you know, which, which they still might be holding on to. But then they realise actually they're just not working. And actually, I need I need a different wet way. Controlling insomnia doesn't work. No. So maybe the alternative is to learn how to let go or to accept. And you talk about the difference between good sleepers and bad sleepers, which is a perfect illustration of that. You, know, you ask a good sleeper how they sleep. Yeah. So my my tagline, which you know came up you know a long time ago, was that you know if you ask a good sleeper what they do to sleep, they'll say. Nothing. Nothing. If you ask an insomniac what they do to sleep, they'll well, say... I've got a list as long as my arm. Exactly. And that was it. And and what the reason that was so groundbreaking for me was because I realised that back then when I was using cognitive behaviour therapy... Uh, I was I was fueling that list. I was giving people stuff, more stuff to do. You know, I would say, you've got to do this. You know, the bedroom is only for sleep and sex. If you've been awake in the, the, the sort of, uh, so that means you can't read. If, you, yeah. if you've been awake in the middle of the night, you've got to get out of bed every 15 minutes. I was giving people loads of rules to achieve something that requires no effort in order to achieve it. And actually, so it's about learning how to let go of trying to control uh, your sleep and your insomnia. And it's it's just important to remember that sleep is a natural biological process that we can't control. Mm. And it's people who can't sleep, it's often intimately related to anxiety. And you mentioned how it, you can use it in other arenas. And something that popped in my head was uh, the time I used your technique, I think I was working at the Olympics or somewhere like that. And I was due to do a live broadcast and the, the anxious feeling came because in an hour I was doing it and it grew and I was mm. desperately trying to push it away, thinking, go, 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 go away. As a result, it grew. And then after putting in practice some of your stuff, that feeling of anxiety will still be there. But it's hello, anxiety. Oh, welcome. Come, welcome along and kind of moving towards it. And it almost in doing so, you can almost transmute it into, say, for example, excitement, but you don't have that split and it doesn't have that control over you. And that's the essence of what you're talking about, isn't it? Absolutely. So it's 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 a rather strange name. It's what we call a transformation of stimulus function. Yeah. It's 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 where the function um, changes. 
So, you know, we could do a sort of a little experiment here. So I'm holding up a water bottle right now. And, you know, I could say, well, what's the function of the water bottle? We go, well, the function of the water bottle is to hold water. But actually, you know, if I ask my kids, you know, what's give me, you know, uh, 10 other functions of this. And we often do this as a, an exercise in the car. It's quite sort of to, to promote psychological flexibility. But what's amazing about children is they could give you a hundred other, you know, they'll say it's a space rocket. <laughs> you know, it's it's, you know, it's, it's a it's a weapon. It's to catch flies. It's to, you know, whatever it may be. And so the main point about that little exercise is that the one thing that didn't change the whole time there was the water bottle. But you see, with a little bit of psychological flexibility, the function can. And that's actually what we're doing by, by going, my mind is telling me the thought that we're altering the function of the thought, i.e. the way that thought affects you. So no longer does it promote, you know, sort of, uh, does it get you sort of caught in it and and promote sort of you know high levels of anxiety um it enables you you may still have experience anxiety mm -hmm. but you're sat outside looking at it and if you use these techniques a lot then absolutely um you know your anxiety levels will go down um and and you alter you see them in a different way you know i now see my the function of my anxiety as something valued mm. um when i'm going to give a big you know big speech or presentation it's important for it, me to it to be there for me to perform mm. um, at my best. <laughs> if no anxiety is there, I probably get a bit worried. Mm. <laughs> you know, be like, oh no, I, I'm because you know, it's it, there's there's the arousal performance curve, which says that we need a bit of stress in order to perform at our best. Mm. You know, if there is no stress in the system, then we're kind of just you know we're we're, we're you know we're sub sub sort of prime. It's all about how we relate to thoughts and feelings, isn't it? And, and actually you speaking then reminded me, I spoke to Michael Johnson, the all-time great runner, uh, 96, dominate the face of the games, the gold shoes of the games. And he said what he misses is the anxiety mm. almost. But obviously that's not the word he used, but the nervousness yeah. before competing. And some people will, as I did, try and push that away or, or try or become very scared of that emotion. But mm. actually, the key thing is to just to relate to it differently. Exactly. And, and I think that's, you know, that's a really nice sort of term to relate to it differently. It's, it's learning to, to transform and actually, have, you know, doing a lot of ultra running, you end up reading a lot of ultra running books. And one of the interesting themes that I read, you know, sort of it, it, like with Killian Jornet or other, you know, ultra runners is they all talk about sort of making peace with their demons. And so they're all singing from the act hymn book effectively mm. they talk about you know sort of they, they would they would they know uh what uh, you know what pain feels sounds looks like in their body and they would welcome it on board and and one of them you know even went as far as said that you know she would verbally sort of go oh hello sort of pain monsters good to see you and i was like oh my goodness you're, you're literally doing you know sort of a an act tool there you are you are um using cognitive diffusion to enable you to change the way you relate to your pain so that you're not becoming absorbed and consumed in it you're just uh holding it lightly with you whilst continuing on on this crazy ultra run that you're doing so whether it be sleep or life generally accepting all those parts of ourselves thoughts feelings emotions characteristics whatever that we don't particularly like and welcoming them along is actually a key tool for excelling in life it, it's it, you could say it's the the sort of the the foundation of excelling in life it's you know, a, a human condition certainly is is you know is putting up a show um is is sort of pretending and one of the you know the, the kind of almost the the saddest things that we see in the clinic is is that people's sleeplessness is is coming about because of people's um, constant effort to maintain a certain performance, um, it, rather than actually sort of showing vulnerability, rather than actually going, no, I, you know, I I am anxious, I do get scared, and and because the world would be a much better place if we we could all say. Yeah, actually, you know, I, I'm, you know, I am fearful when I go towards, you know, this type of thing. And certainly this is, you know, as, as a parent, this is what I'm trying to teach my parents with my, my, my children, with my wife. Uh, is, is this that, that it's OK to feel certain ways because it's very easy, you know, sort of uh, to, to grow up in a world where, you know, to, to sort of uh, might say something like, you know, be a man or 
grow up yeah. or you know it's, it's sort of it's, yeah. it's anything like that which man up yeah. yeah man up which kind of basically is saying okay it's not right to feel strong emotions we need to squash them down and we used to which typically leads to people using uh unhelpful coping strategies okay how can i not feel something i know i'll drink some alcohol i know i will suppress those feelings i will have anger outbursts when actually if we could all get to know um the content which is in you know which which makes up all of us um and be open to experiencing that to be to be more compassionate to ourselves and self-accepting then yeah i think that the world our lives would be a lot easier and the world would be a better place am i right in saying a lot of people who come to see you tend to be almost reliant on sleep medications yeah absolutely so this this comes down to the the sort of the quick fix it mentality. So um, you know if you if you're suffering from insomnia, the natural human desire if you've got any sort of pain or discomfort is you want to sort of you want to do something to make the pain go away and ideally make it go away quickly. Eighty percent of the people who come to see us are taking some form of medication and and they're trying to come off because the problem with coping strategies is that whilst they may help a little bit, um, often they just become part of the problem because they steal a little bit of your trust in your natural ability to sleep because like those thoughts suddenly you have a thought I can't sleep unless I do take x y or z ultimately it's what a, a sleep aid is is something that you are now reliant on to sleep and if it was removed causes anxiety lots of people are coming uh with in uh, addiction whether it be physical or mm. psychological addiction to medication and it's about gently teaching them how to come off that and again you know, when they come off it, it's teaching them to welcome the discomfort, the thoughts and emotions which show up. They will gradually come off it as they are gradually building up those tools. And they will learn to be a little bit more mindful because that's the awareness piece. That's the present moment there. They begin to notice the sort of the thoughts and the feelings and the sensations showing up in their body in the moment. So that's that. That's the noticing. And the the thing to, you know, mindfulness is now sort of, it's gone kind of full circle and people, you know, it's having a bit of a backlash almost. And it's important to remember that mindfulness is ultimately just taking notice. It's something that we're, we're all capable of doing. You know, it's just paying attention on purpose, moment by moment. Um, but then comes the, okay, so I've got these thoughts. What can I do with them? And that's where the sort of, you know, the, the diffusing work comes in and learning to play with them. And, and it can be really challenging. I recognize that if you suffer from, you know, sort of sleep anxiety and, you know, anxiety is showing up in the middle of the night, but there can be any, you know, there can be shame. There can be, you know, uh, there can be guilt. There can be frustration, anger, um, an array of emotions can show up in the middle of the night. And it is about taking the time to sit with those, to make space for them, not trying to get rid of them. And we call, we use a term called physicalizing, which is where you you actually um, you notice where they are in your body. So right now I feel anxiety showing up in my stomach. I feel it more on the right. You know, if I was to give it a physical shape, it would kind of be like a, a, a ball, sort of a fiery ball. It'd be sort of red and yellow. What you're actually doing at this time, what's incredible, do you know, it's just by going through this process, obviously that would take a lot longer, but you know, by going through that process, you are sitting with your discomfort. You're sitting with the very thing you fear, which, you know, to your amygdala is is sort of is such an important lesson because it, it's kind of like, um, you know, I always ask my clients, have you ever tried to put a fire out with petrol? <laughs> I'm just well, don't, I'm do it. Yeah. don't do it. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. No, it's not at all. No. <laughs> you can remove that bit. No. So, you know, you wouldn't do it because it would simply just fuel the fire, wouldn't it? But that's what we when you try to get rid of your anxiety, all you do is you send a message back up to your amygdala who created the anxiety in the first place that you're right. This anxiety is scary. We need to we need to fight it. Produce more anxiety, and so you sort of go round. So you can exit out of that loop by uh, choosing to sit with it. And when you physicalize the anxiety, when you give it a shape, a form, a space, and some clients are in, you you don't need to be sort of fully you know fantastic at visualizing. Some people might just go right now. I feel anxiety, so it's more sort of mm. cognitive but other people can be incredibly visual so they can go no i can really it's like this you know my my it's like a solid black lump that's mm. in my head and it's freezing cold uh or it's a a, a sort of uh a, 
a pole of white uh, lightning kind of which goes from my stomach all the way up through my chest and heart and things and so but as long as people are sitting with it then they are transforming the way their brain relates to that and ultimately as I said creating the space from which sleep gradually re-emerges over time. So by describing your anxiety in the moment you're sitting with it or moving towards it which sends a message to your amygdala that this is not a threat and gradually over time your amygdala will calm down and you'll get to that peaceful state that you wanted. Absolutely. And this can be applied to anything, can't it? So because Absolutely. we have this thing, we, we, it's a good thing that everyone's talking about mental health. But you know, anxiety, for example, seems to be you know, really uh, on the rise. And perhaps I'd be interested to hear your, your view of it. Perhaps there is an element because people are becoming increasingly sort of scared of it. Like, oh, this shouldn't be here. But actually, anxiety is totally normal. Mm. So by applying this exact same process, you can actually lessen anxiety at any time of the day or night. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's, a, you know, the, the important thing that you just said there was, was, was this, you know, this belief that many people have is that you shouldn't feel anxious, is that you shouldn't feel low, you shouldn't feel angry, you shouldn't feel depressed. You know, if anyone says that to you, they are completely wrong. <laughs> you know, the reality is humans have an incredible, beautiful spectrum of emotions that they can feel. And it's only when you narrow your sort of emotional field down to, I only want to experience joy and love and mm. happiness, which that would be wonderful. But the reality is, is you can't have one without the other. Mm. And it's only when you open yourself up to experiencing, you know, to feeling low, then then you are able to move forward. You know, some mornings I wake up and yeah, I'm not chipper, you know, and I will I go... I find that hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, you know, I will get on the train in the morning and I go, I feel, because I'll often spend, you know, I'll do a little bit of meditation, which involves checking in, you know, involves checking in. How, what's my mental and physical landscape looking like today? And, you know, some days, yeah, it could be super sort of energetic and sort of excited and, uh, and other days it can be somber and low and it's not about judging it's not about sort of going one is better than the other it's going right now I've got low with me okay hello low good to see you well you know we still know what is important to me you know my the work that I do my children my family my sport you know it's but I can still move towards all of those things in a meaningful way whilst feeling low or whilst feeling excited. You know, it's, it's, it's about treating them all as equals and being open to experiencing them. There's a lovely uh, quote, which is, um, I am the sky and everything else is just the weather. Mm. You know, this, this is such a brilliant quote because it recognises that, you know, the sky... Is, is always constant, day or night, rain or shine. The sky is always there and we are always there. But the weather is always changing in us. The, the weather is the thoughts. You know, you have the angry thoughts, the worried thoughts, the energetic thoughts. You know, the weather and the emotions, they're always there. They're just like our weather. You know, <laughs> Britain's a great place to live for the, you know, this metaphor because we see that on a single day you can have so much change in the weather. And the crucial thing is we can't control the weather. But we can, we can accept the weather. Mm. And, and that's what most of us do. We accept the weather and we go about our day. And that's about, it's exactly the same. It's about accepting our own, well, it's about getting to know our, intern, our own internal weather. Because a lot of the time, our weather is actually, you know, is, is personal. You know, sort of how we feel it, where we feel it, and, you know, when we feel it. It's quite personal to us. So it's about spending some time getting to know your own weather and being accepting of it which means that it has less effect on you, which means that you can go about and do the really fantastic, important things that you want to do, whether that be sport or standing on a stage or being a mum. In that analogy, the sky, that is the awareness, isn't it? Exactly. That's, we can always be aware of our feelings, our thoughts, what's in our environment, but the awareness itself actually never changes. And you can kind of get a sense of that through meditation, can't you? And then you spoke as well about... These these feelings, perhaps you know, you're, you when you're not feeling chipper um, and you're feeling a bit down, when we try and deny that or push it away, then it comes back to that: what you resist persists. It's more likely to hang around. 
Exactly. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. What you resist persists. But, you know, it's it's kind of what you, you know, sort of fight then amplifies. Yeah. So, you know, if you're feeling low and you don't want to feel low and you're sort of going, okay, I shouldn't, you know, if there's like a complete denial, I shouldn't feel like this. Um, or I don't want to feel like this. It just gives it a platform on which to, you know, to 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 live, grow, be even bigger. And if you if you allow that to be there, you know, do that twenty four hours a day, then that you know that just it fills your your world. And you know, but you know, I should always say that it's very easy just to sort of chat about these things like we're doing, but mm. it requires practice. Sure. And it requires, you know, gentle practice um, over time. It requires being compassionate towards ourselves. And this is one of the challenging things about, you know, uh, about sleeplessness is that and about insomnia is that generally humans are not that nice to themselves. Yes. <laughs> when you've had a poor night, you know, we can be really harsh to ourselves and actually doing those little exercises the thought diffusion exercises when we run our group workshops and i always remember um a client standing up i said you know what's come up from doing these you know my mind is telling me the thought that and she said i just suddenly realized that i i just amazed that you know i would never say that to someone else you know but i say it to myself every single day i just can't believe how, you know how harsh i can be on myself but that's not the crucial thing to understand that, that that's you know and she was going you know my, it feels like my brain is my own worst enemy it, it's kind of and this is the sort of strange thing is it's your brain is actually just hardwired to try and protect you and so its job if you imagine 40,000 years ago you know sort of its job is has been designed to worry about everything that could go wrong everything that was going to eat you you know so so those guys who went oh you're a lovely fluffy lion you know yeah. they, they, they basically they, they're not here today <laughs> you know their lineage stopped <laughs> it's sort of the actually we've evolved from fantastic warriors so we have this 24-hour obsessive compulsive worrying brain which is constantly looking out for what could go wrong you're you know you're jumping on the train is it's thinking about is the is the train going to be delayed is the tube going to be delayed you you've got a meeting is you know is no one going to like it is you know is it going to be you know, it's constantly generally thinking about what could go wrong um and those are minor things but if you if you amplify them up it can easily be going you know oh I'm not sleeping. Well, if I don't sleep, I'm going to be perform badly tomorrow. And this is the sort of a typical spiral that some of our clients could get into. They go, I won't perform tomorrow. I'm going to be sacked. I won't be able to pay my mortgage. I'm going to be out on the street. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then I'm going to have a heart attack. Yeah. Life <laughs> is over. Life is over. And, you know, that's in the space of like five minutes. Their brain has sort of created that spiral. And that's where it's by getting to know that kind of content and people can go, wow, that's mm. impressive. You know, mm. thanks mind for that. But actually, hey, do you know what? I'm just going to come back to, uh, you know, just 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 lying here. Right. Just to finish off, Guy. Yes. We've covered a lot. We've talked about diffusion technique 2.0. My mind is having the thought that I'm not going to sleep. My mind is having the thought that tomorrow is going to be dreadful mm. and then coming back and noticing whatever else. Right. So s someone who is struggling with sleep at the moment, what other things can they do to train their brain and themselves? When we talk about insomnia, it's psychophysiological. Okay. So um, we can't forget the physiological side of things. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm hugely passionate about some of the basics now because I realise how important they are. So, you know, we have this internal body clock, which keeps, it schedules every single biological process in the body, um, you know, telling us when to eat, when to move, when to sleep and when to wake. And and actually, you know, so just going to bed and getting up at roughly the same time, it's it sounds like the most, the simplest thing in the world. Most of us aren't doing it, um, but it is fundamental to just providing the basis for your you know a, a, a good sleep because often what can happen with chronic insomniacs is they might go i you know i'm scared about going to bed uh you know not getting enough sleep so i'm going to go to bed earlier um and so or they might go you know sort of i know i won't sleep so i'm going to go to bed later but what can happen is they start sort of chopping and changing all over the place and that causes this term called social jet lag where basically you, you're experiencing insomnia just simply because of the fact that your sleep weight cycle is is so uh disrupted it's so it's it's out of sync so super simple just making sure that you're going to bed keeping a regular sleep wake cycle um is 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 one thing um also 
we spoke about the cognitive diffusion aspects, but perhaps, you know, doing a little bit of mindfulness. So this might be where you choose to sit and be still in its simplest forms. You know, you choose to sit and be still with your eyes closed or open on a park bench and just and just being with what's there. So that could be you just notice the sounds which are going on. You notice the, the wind on your face. You notice the, the, the chair underneath you, that kind of thing. And if, and if thoughts come in, you go, OK, thanks, mind for that. But I'm going to come back to being in the present moment. Or you could go a little bit deeper um, and you might just notice the movement of your breath. So building up that noticing skill is, is, is really valuable as well. Another crucial part for which is often forgotten around with insomnia is the focus on what's important to you so often when we do uh, our run our workshops the first thing we ask them is we go i'd like you to just spend five minutes thinking about what makes your heart sing so you know what's important to them in their life and they might go oh well it's my family or it's my you know the sport or whatever it may be my children grandchildren and you go okay for most insomniacs, you know, why are you here today on this workshop? And they go, well, to learn how to sleep. And you go, well, actually, most of you are here so that you can live your life to the full because you, you, you struggle with sleep so much because of how much it impacts your ability to live your life. And what happens is people, they stop living their life in order to um, improve their sleep. So they go, okay, I won't go out with the guys or the girls tonight because that might disturb my sleep. I won't get that early morning flight, you know. And right up to we have people where, you know, they have, it's 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 incredibly sad where they'll come in and go, I've chosen not to have children. I've chosen, they're in their, you know, sixth decade, seventh decade, and they go, I chose not to have children because of the fear of not sleeping. So you can see how it can impact their actual, the way they live their lives. And so, in order to stop that narrowing of life, I would always ask people to live by their values. So even, you know, when you so, so if you haven't had a good night, still see if you can move towards good sleep. So, yes, if you're training for a marathon, you know, that probably doesn't mean you're going to go and run, you know, sort of, um, you know, a, a long training distance. But moving towards it could mean that you, you go for a walk around the block and get some sunshine on you. That's still moving towards it and it's being gentle and, you know, it's an act of self-kindness and self-compassion. So focusing on, on what's important to you every single day with your insomnia is, again, a powerful way because then what happens is you don't resent insomnia so much. So the nighttime comes and you, it helps you to not struggle so much. And with less struggle, comes more energy more energy comes more living more living less resentment you go around a new cycle rather than the vicious cycle of insomnia so those are sort of three super simple ones but then we've also move into the you know uh, making sure that you are um you know doing the basics tending to the basics you know sort of people a lot of people get caffeine wrong you know, caffeine is has a half life of six hours, um, which means that, you know, if you have a cup of coffee at midday, half of the, the caffeine will still be in your body at, at 6 p.m. It has a quarter life, therefore, of 12 hours. So a quarter of that caffeine will still be in your system at midnight. So, you know, if you if you are sort of, you know, have a, you know, drink it, enjoy it, you know, two or three cups, but try to knock it on the head by midday or a little bit later, you know, sort of. Um, so it's, it's about having a balance with all of these, you know, not try to restrict everything, but have a have a balance and gently move towards better sleep. If you wake up in the middle of the night, um, the most important thing is 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 actually to, to stay in bed and rest. Don't check your phone. The blue light will instantly activate your, you know, sort of uh, light sensitive cells in your eyes and sort of wake you up and inhibit melatonin. So, you know, just do what a normal sleeper might do. They might get up and go to the toilet once. That's perfectly fine. Change position if you need to change position. Get comfortable. You know, come into this this idea of resting is is really good for you. Um, you know, if you notice thoughts coming in, then you might do a bit of the fault diffusion. If you want to focus on your breath, you can do. You might, as we sort of discussed, you might notice that bring yourself you know sort of mindfully into the the space go i can feel the pillow on my head the duvet on my toes but not to get yourself to sleep but just to sort of be there ground yourself and go i'm going to purposely choose to rest right now because that's a uh, you know and accept the fact that i'm awake um so that i save my valuable energy for the next day 
Thanks very much for listening to this episode of Don't Turn With The Score. I really hope you enjoyed our conversation. And I would, of course, be delighted to hear your thoughts, ideas and questions. Do get in touch via my website, simonmundy.com. I do really appreciate you listening. And if you could leave a kind rating and review, I would be sincerely grateful. All that remains is for me to say I hope you'll join me again next time. Until then, thank you and goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.